Welcome to Promises Are Just Words. This is episode 36. Preparation for tomorrow is hard work today. Today I'd like you to say hello to three of my guests. My first guest is Ursula Carlson. She's originally from South Africa and she's also now from New Zealand, partly from New Zealand. She's a comedian. She's known for stand-up and also appearing on particular panel shows. She's a regular on one of my favourite shows, which is Have You Been Paying Attention? She's also a panellist on The Masked Singer. My second guest today is Steve Monaghetti. He is an Australian long-distance runner. He won gold in the 1994 Commonwealth Games in the marathon. He's also won one silver medal and two bronze at other Commonwealth Games. He has been the Australian team chief de mission and also has won the Order of Australia in 2014. My last guest today is Gretel Colleen, Australian comedian, TV presenter, media personality and author. And most of you people out there are probably going to know her as the host of the original Big Brother. So today I'd like you to say hello to Ursula Carlson, Steve Monaghetti and Gretel Colleen. Right, hey Mark, thank you for having me on your little podcast. I will read the question and then I will answer it as I see fit. What was your own schooling like? Uh, I went to boarding school because I was a bit of a delinquent, but and my mum used to threaten me with boarding school, and then I went, just send me, so she did. And uh, it was very military-like, like I had shooting and um, marching, uh, drilling as part of you know subjects that I could take, which I did, uh, and I really enjoyed it. I loved it. I loved boarding school, um, you know, because you just basically in a massive sleepover with a thousand five hundred of your mates um so you know being very social and you know outgoing a massive extrovert was a big plus for me going to boarding school my sister hated it but you know she's not on mark's podcast so we're not we're not talking for her so that you know all up it was good my brother um who's older than me also told me when i just started high school he said just remember never in your life will you be surrounded by so many people the same age as you, with exactly the same interests and the same dislikes as you. Everyone hates homework. Everyone hates the arsehole teacher. Am I allowed to say arsehole? I'm not sure if arsehole is a goer, but if it is a goer, no one likes the arsehole, and that's what everyone has in common. So he called it the milk line, you know, because you're standing in line getting your milk from when you're little to when you're leaving school. You know, you're sort of always lining up for something at some point. Second question, how did you get into comedy? Was it something you'd always wanted to do? No. Comedy, especially stand-up and everything that has come off that, because people think when, when they meet me, they go, oh, I see you on that TV show. But then there are people who only know me for my stand-up. And then there are people who only know me as a writer. And then there are people who only know me as, um, a, you know, dramatic actress. Like, there's so many different things that you can do and that I do do. Do do. Um, so... It's it's an amazing industry, but I'd never even knew it was a thing. I didn't know, you know, obviously if someone said, have you heard of stand-up comedy, I would have gone, yeah, I'm not an idiot. Um, I can read and stuff. But, uh, yeah, I didn't know it was an actual thing. I saw people just did it sort of, you know, because they have a few too many beers, which for the record, I don't drink at all before I go on stage because it's one of those things that I just think your brain is so sharp when you're sober 
and you really feel it if you have a couple of drinks and you go on stage you know you're not firing it on all cylinders um so anyway that's just a little public service announcement side to make up for the arsehole comments from before um you know if i wasn't allowed to say arsehole at least now i'm telling you not to drink so you know it's all a balancing thing isn't it so no my very first comedy show i ever attended was the over mic night that i did a friend of mine uh, got me into it, we used to work together, and he'd go, oh, you're so funny, you should go do stand-up, and then when I left the um, ad agency where I used to work, Ogilvy, he booked me in to go do it, and I just decided to be a good sport, and um, went and I did it, and it was great, never looked back, then third question, you meet a lot of celebrities in your travels, I sure do, thank you, thank you so much, Mark, um, but have you ever been starstruck by someone that you've met, is this person off limits as part of your stand-up routine? First off, I don't think anything's off limits. The only things I don't joke about is rape and child abuse because I don't think those things are particularly funny. Um, but I don't really make fun of people. And, like, my shtick is I don't um, pick on my audience because I know people are scared of that. You know, they always go, well... Um, you know, they they don't want to sit in the front because they don't want to be picked on. And I always say, I won't pick on the audience because I know they come to see the show, not be the show. So, no, there's someone, like, I've met a lot of people where I go, oh, my God. And even if I give them an alias or I talk about their experience but make it mine, you know, like I'll pretend it was me, then I do that. Um, you know, but I would never highlight one specific person but I've met some freaking cool people in my life <laughs> I don't want to be an asshole and name drop people but trust me trust me I've met some sound like Donald Trump it was it was tremendous tremendous people uh yeah anyway so comedy is a great industry um and I'm glad that I just sort of went with it and my motto in life is there's no greater waste of time than regret so I don't turn down opportunities within limits, within limits, but I mean, look at me, I'm doing Mark's podcast, am I right, guys, <laughs> all right, um, stay off drugs, don't drink before you do stand-up. Blow my whistle, baby. for six months I dare you to shut out the world I dare you to shut out all the distractions I dare you to give up everything that is keeping you from your dream if you have a dream don't just sit there get your ass up and make something happen sometimes you just have to move do something make a call reach out to someone Google something. Learn something new. Write down what you need to do in order to make a better life for yourself. And be brave enough to do those things. I dare you to take a stand today to say no more. I will no longer accept this for my life. I dare you to take action today. I dare you to write your goals down and get someone to hold you accountable. I dare you to hold yourself accountable. I dare you. I dare you to give up everything that is keeping you from your dream. 
to say no to all the negative influences. I dare you to pick up a book instead of a drink. I dare you to work harder than you think you did yesterday. I dare you to prove them wrong. I dare you to prove yourself right. I dare you to stand up as a man or as a strong woman, as whoever you are, and declare that you are going to claim a bigger and better life for yourself. I dare you to make something happen this week, to take massive action this week, drop everything and do something. I dare you to walk more than you talk. I dare you to do good for the sake of doing good. I dare you to tell no one about it, to be kind for no reason. I dare you to spend time alone. I dare you to say no with pride. No to bad habits, to negative people, to wrongdoing. I dare you to speak your truth. I dare you to dream bigger, bigger than they told you was possible for your life. I dare you. I dare you to walk your own path, wherever that leads, whatever they say. I dare you to lock the world out for a week and work on you. Work on your dreams. You're well and truly capable of living at a higher level. If you do or you don't, that's up to you. Ask yourself, am I happy with my life exactly as it is now? Am I happy staying where I am? If you don't like the answer, get to work. Work on yourself. Work harder than you think you've worked in the past. More discipline, higher standards, more self-respect, more boundaries, less BS, more forward, less backward, more positive, less negative. Only those who dare to go after the life most don't have will ever have the chance of living a life most will never have. Only those who dare to fight for a great life have a chance to live a great life. What's it going to take for you to change? What's it going to take for you to realize your potential? What's it going to take for you to be proud? Proud of the person you are. Proud of your effort. Proud of the person you've become. What is it going to take? Hi everyone, in year 11 at Wadalba Community School on the Central Coast, hope I pronounced that correctly. Um, Mr Atmore asked me to just answer some questions for the Promises Are Just Words podcast. Uh, the first one, how did you get involved in running and what alternative job options were available to you? Actually, uh, I didn't think running was going to be a career for me. I did a, an engineering degree, so I did civil engineering at the Uni of Ballarat worked as an engineer and then went back and did a dip ed and I was teaching math science at a secondary school here in Ballarat for a couple of years and I actually that's when my running sort of took off I went to the Olympics and 
while I was teaching there. So I combined both that teaching career and my running at the time. And then uh, I got an offer to go to a, a marathon in England, the London Marathon, and they were going to pay me and pay me about the same as my teaching wage. So I thought, oh, this is pretty good. And I started to travel the world. So I always liked to think that I had a career and running was sort of uh, a pursuit that I enjoyed and did because I loved it, not because it was a, a job to me. And if I had broken my leg or got a chronic injury, I still would have had that career to go back to. So uh, I think that really allowed me to enjoy my running and do it in the in the right uh, with the right intent. Uh, hope that answers that one. Um, what race in your career has been the most satisfying for you? Probably you might relate to uh, City to Surf in Sydney, which um, I won a few times. So that was a huge race for me to win. The first time I won that, you know, it was always a race that I wanted to get my name on the trophy. And every good Australian distance runner has their name on that trophy. So that was um, a nice confidence booster. And eventually I did break the record, which still stands to this day, I think. And that gave me the confidence to know because the person who held the record before me, Rob DeCostello, was one of the world's best distance runners. So I knew when I broke that that I could also be one of the world's best distance runners. And that's how it turned out. So that was a really important race. And another one, the, the World Championships in Athens in 1997, where I finished third, was, was a terrific event for me where we started at the town of Marathon which incredible that you you know you would name an event after a town that's how significant the the event was and the history of the event really um, was important to me and we finished in the old stadium in Athens the um, the stadium that they used for the 1896 Olympics we we're the only event the men's and women's marathons were the only events that finished there so it was a pretty um, spiritual place to finish and to have my best race I won a bronze medal there which is like an Olympic bronze medal for me so uh, to have that terrific race in that environment was really uh, special for me. So there's a couple for you. And the final question at the peak of my career, what would a typical week of training look like and how did you manage injuries? Well, I was running 180 to 200 kilometres every week. So except if I freshened up for an event, so a couple of weeks before I dropped that back. But even the week of the Olympic marathon, I would run 100 kilometres a week and a rest day for me was just running once. I would normally run twice a day. So, And that's the amount of workload you need to do to be world class in an event like the marathon. It's 42 kilometres. So if you're going to run that far, I mean, you think of 180, 200 kilometres, that's five times the distance. And that's I think it's that sort of multiplication factor that you do in training. A bit like for you, think about if you were studying for an exam, you know, if the exam's two hours, you know, you need to do practice exams maybe for 10 hours, so five practice exams. So that multiplication factor and the preparation that I did was integral in allowing me to get the results that I did. And everyone looks back at my career and they all want to hear about, you know, the, the famous victory, the city to surf record, when I won Commonwealth Games gold, they all want to hear about those wins. They don't want to hear about the training here in Ballarat in the cold winter nights, training by myself in the sleet and snow. But yet it's that dedication and commitment and hard work. You don't get one without the other. And everyone's happy to do the easy bit, join in the glory and the, and the big wins and successes. But it's very difficult for people to commit to along the journey. And yet for me, that's the key.
you know, and you'll get to a certain level on talent, and after that it's just damn hard work that will allow you to keep increasing to higher levels. And, you know, for me, I think the marathon's a good analogy for life. You know, it's a long way to run. It's all about preparation, hanging in there, being resilient, going through the ups and downs of the race, and you have good and bad patches during the race. And if you hang in there, you never know how far you can end up. And by just setting little goals along the way, you know, I'll just get to the next drink station, get to the next kilometre mark. Before you know it, you know, you're just setting little goals and you achieve the overall goal, the whole ultimate goal of, of completing the marathon and completing it normally, you know, at a very high level if the training and preparation's been great for you. Managing injuries, um, just finally, I had a, a physio here in Ballarat and that treated me and made sure that I had a lot of niggles and people said I wasn't injured. I wasn't injured for most of my career, 15 years, and that was because I would get to the niggles before they turned into an injury. So, you know, a bit like having the flu injection, you know, they used to give you a little bit of the flu um, bug so that your body will build up resistance to it. And I kind of, I'm a good believer in by little bit of bits of exposure that allows you to just build up an immunity or a confidence that you can overcome that and if you get little exposures little by little by little by little again like that journey I spoke about earlier at the end of the journey you've achieved so much and yet it just seemed to be by little steps that you progressed along the way and uh, you know I love that analogy and that thinking you know I'm, I'm in the penthouse you know when I'm at the Olympic Games I'm in the penthouse of marathon running but I started in the basement and I had to work my way up to be able to uh, enjoy the penthouse and you enjoy the view when you get up there. Hope there was some information there for you. Uh, good luck with your, your studies in uh, what's difficult times and hopefully um, you know, out of crisis comes opportunities. So hopefully you'll take advantage of those opportunities. Cheers. question um let's go why don't we go through the school question then so what were you like as a student what were some of your favorite subjects at school uh, i i had very strict parents i studied a lot i was quite naughty i think but i really <laughs> enjoyed learning uh, and i've always been much better at subjects that you could make the answers up with yes um like english uh because i love uh, exploring my own imagination. So I adore that. I love interpreting literature. I love interpreting art. Um, and of course, I've gone on to um, be an artist in various different realms, uh, including writing. Um, but having said that, I've, you know, I was, I was, you know, a, a very academic, kind of um, up the top kind of yep. student. Does that signify anything other than that's what I mean. <laughs> You know, it's not a reflection in any way of what anyone goes on to do with the rest of their lives. Yeah. It, it just happened to be something, because I think not because my parents are strict, and so yeah. I just had to study. But, no, otherwise, who knows what would have happened. I probably would have done a lot of the things I'm doing now earlier, so I would have had fewer um, constraints and predeterminations of what someone who was vaguely smart to do with their life. Yeah, I guess it's one of those things like hindsight, isn't it? You can always look back and go, well, my life could have taken a different direction at this point, but this is just, is your life, isn't it, I guess? Oh, I think, I love, I love what I do. Yep. Um, but I think for any kids who are listening, there's a lot of encouragement now for 
people to be creative. Yeah. And I think that it's often not known just how applied the people are who are being creative. Yeah. Uh, it's not necessarily known how hard they work, um, how disciplined they are and how focused they are. And I also don't necessarily think that anyone can be creative. I think it's a gift. Yeah. And, and I think if you have it, explore it. But if you've got a mate who thinks they are, or maybe they're kidding themselves, and I know we can't judge others, but sometimes people use the art as a bit of a rationalization for not doing anything else. Yeah. I just, any kids who are thinking of getting into it, or any adult, it's actually hard work yeah. to be successful at it. You don't just hang around having fun all the time. You know, you work hard yep. and people constantly, you know, our society doesn't really appreciate people in the arts. They love our music, they love our, our dance and, and um, comedy and whatever, but they don't necessarily respect it as a career. They think that it's a hobby. Um, and so it takes a lot of determination to be successful in it. So just for anyone thinking of going into that, you will have to work hard, if not harder. As harder, if not harder than anyone in any other career, because there's no structure. you just got to keep working hard at it. Excellent. That's a very detailed answer for me. I appreciate that. Um, so I guess as a writer um, who mostly does write fiction for adolescents, um, no, what... no, no, no. Not mostly? No, I've written for all different age groups. I've also written a lot for television and I write stand-up as well. Yep. Um, and journalism. Of course, I've written for a lot of publications around, but please go on. That's all right. I was going to say, what do you use as your inspiration for, I guess, the, the wide variety of people that you write for and, and different medias and, and things like that? Um, when I was writing uh, books for little kids, my children were little, and so uh, I just absorbed the way that they saw the world. So that made yeah. it easier, and then they were teenagers, and that made it easier. And now my children are grown up, so um, I look more at my own... Life. I've just finished the book coming out next year and I'm writing a sequel to that now. I think having an imagination is amazing. But one of the, I think writing really, um, I think writing is fantastic. It's hard work because yeah. it's so isolating. Um, but the other thing that I find reading really helps yeah. because it helps you to be articulate and gives you access to vocabulary that you wouldn't normally have. But usually when I'm writing a novel, I'm not reading a literary novel because yep. I can be affected by the style of that writing. Yep. So I have to make sure that I read things that aren't humorous or fictional mm. in that sense. They've got to have a different tone or otherwise I absorb it. But just one other thing that a lot of people um, might not realise about reading is often when I'm going to be speaking in public, which I do a lot, on television and radio and whatever, I will read, make sure I read the night before, and I read fiction, like literary work. Yeah. Um, not newspapers, not, I'm always reading my own work, but it does something to my brain, and I doubt I'm unique in this, it does something to my brain that makes me, if I read just before I go to sleep, I will be much more articulate the next day and so I just say and also to any student it also works with your writing so if you 
while you think you might be downloading and watching Netflix and hearing their language and, and the way they're connecting, it's the real way to get your brain working in an articulate literary way is reading. Yeah. And I still do it as at my age, I still do to just trigger it. Yeah, I know I do even now too as well. I know it's one of the hardest things as an English teacher that we have these days. As soon as we pull out a novel and, you know, it's fiction, the kids just seem to switch off, whereas they kind of like a bit more of the factual stuff, so the historical stuff and that. But the fi fictional, they just, you know, don't seem to be as interested because the TV can do it for you in a half an hour episode or a movie or something like that. So Yeah, I can be a bit guilty of that myself. Like someone just, oh, do you want to read these seven volumes? Yeah. Or do you want to watch an hour and a half? I'm well, that's time, that's effect, efficient time management, I would say, that one. <laughs> but just in terms of the side effects, yeah. there's, watching a lot of stuff online, can, it can dumb you down because different parts of your brain are being utilised, but if you're not watching analytically and critically, then... I think parts of your brain just kind of get a pause button. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, I'll finish up with the last one too. So obviously you get involved as a, a kind of a social commentary on Sunrise and they'll bring you in to have um, a debate, I guess, with somebody else as well. Do, do you think that they kind of pick you for particular reasons, particular topics, because obviously they want kind of a two-sided argument or debate or is it just now and again you get called in would you be interested in talking about this or how does it kind of happen that you're involved oh no it's it's not as casual how can i say this i've been doing uh normally like prior to covid i would be in there once a week yep. sunrise during the week and then every saturday but because COVID, we can't be in the studio uh, only the bare minimum staff can be in there. So uh, I'm still doing the Saturdays and people in my situation will get the subjects early that morning. Yep. Uh, like about as soon as I wake up, they're there. And an hour later, I'm out the door and I have to be across a lot of stuff because I never know what the subjects gonna, are going to be. Yep. So I have to be across everything. And so I spend all week being on top of news and having perspectives and also it's a very privileged position because you get to comment on things that yeah. are going on in the world. So I like to make sure that I'm adding to the discourse, not just saying the absolute obvious. You know, I think yeah, of the course. same thing. How do I add? So, uh, no, you have to, even for that, it looks like we're just chatting. It feels like it, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but all of these things I'm telling you about, and my whole career looks like I do nothing. <laughs> no, I know you're very busy. I know that. Behind it's, um, it's, it's all about preparation. And and even when we're being interviewed by someone, or you know, when I'm chatting to you, I, yeah. I research, okay, what's going on? Where are the where are students at? What are they studying? What are they? Yeah. It's about being informed. And part of that is because you don't want to look like a complete goose. No, of course. Of, of course. So it's, it's staying on top of it. So, yeah. Um, yeah, but thank you those questions they're, they're fun to answer that's all right i appreciate your time i also appreciate you uh, ringing up i know you like i said you are really really busy as well too but um i'm sure that gives my kids a bit of an insight into things as well too so thank you very much it's my pleasure um good luck with the term thank you very much see you later okay bye, bye.